The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Marshall. In time of war, certain human instincts come to the fore. The aggressive instinct, of course, and also the instinct for survival. That we must all die eventually is inescapable. That some of us must die prematurely is terrifying. So terrifying that in a moment of grave danger, even the most sober and rational of men can appear to regress and clutch at superstitious omens like our most primitive ancestors. Is this folly? Or does a person in the extreme moment when death is imminent know something we don't? Captain, if I volunteer for this mission, will we get back here by midnight? Well, it shouldn't take you more than three hours. You're sure? <laughs> How come you're so skittish all of a sudden? I just want to know that we'll be back here safely by midnight. Why? <laughs> Afraid you might turn into a pumpkin? No, Captain. Something... Something a lot worse than that. mystery drama, Time Out of Mind, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Percy Granger and stars Russell Horton. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Maybe you've got a neighbor who just bought a new Electra, and he's gotten so smug and self-satisfied lately, you can't stand it. Well, look at it this way. If you had just gotten a car with all the luxury and prestige of Electra, and a trim European-like design that makes it easier than you might imagine to park and maneuver in city traffic, wouldn't you be a little insufferable for a while? We thought so. The new Electra, at your Buick dealers now. experienced that bittersweet longing for the past, known as nostalgia. Most of us have also felt the related sensation of wishing we could return to a specific moment in time to take care of some unfinished business, or speak a final word to a loved one. But though this temptation can at times seem unbearable, we should never allow it to become overwhelming. Dad? Dad? Huh? Uh, what, what, Scott? Uh, are you okay? Oh, sure. Sure. Would you like me to drive for a while? Oh, no, 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 I'm fine. Why should you? Well, you looked like you were drifting off. No, no, I was just, um, just thinking about something, that's all. I, I'm perfectly wide awake. Okay, okay, I was just offering. Uh, what... What time is it? Uh, nearly midnight. Dad? Dad? What? What? 
Why do you keep bothering me? Bothering you? All you're doing is driving. Well, uh, what do you want? You were getting that look in your eye again. What look? Like you're forgetting where you are. Well, I don't like being watched. Hey, Dad, you've been driving since supper. Now, look, Maybe now, I... believe me, I'm not tired. <laughs> I was on the road ten years for my company. I, I know about driving. Um, what were you thinking about? Hmm? When? Just now. Well, not nothing. Well, you said you were. I don't remember. Dad, let's talk, okay? If nothing else, the conversation will keep us awake. <laughs> I don't know why, Scott. It's uh, usually put us to sleep before. I don't get it. You insisted on driving me all the way back to school. When I asked you why, you said it would be a good chance for us to get to know each other better. Yeah, I, I know, Scott, but... Uh, well, it's late at night now. Well, there's plenty of time to talk tomorrow. Okay. Okay, Dad. I... Well, I'm sorry, son. I... I didn't mean to snap at you. I know we haven't been very close these past few years while you've been drifting about and trying to find yourself. But now that I'm back in graduate school, you think you can relate to me, is that it? You see, even the words you kids use. I mean, relate. But what does that mean? I mean, in my day, it, it meant to tell somebody something. Okay. What? Let's begin with that. Let's uh, tell each other something. Well... Well, why, why don't you tell me about the courses you've taken? I mean, what's on our minds? How we feel about things? How you feel about me? How I feel about you? Uh, uh, I don't know why you kids today are so obsessed with feeling. I feel like I'm driving across the country with a complete stranger. That's really how you feel, Scott? Yes. I'm not part of your life, Dad. I never have been. I, I never know what's on your mind. Half the time, you you seem like you're somewhere else. My brother, Scotty. What? Well, you asked me what I was thinking about before. It was Scotty. Your uncle, though, the one you're named after. Well, why were you thinking about him now? On January 17th, the day after tomorrow, is the anniversary of his death. He, he was killed in the Second World War. Yeah, at Anzio Beach in 1944. Uh, of course, you've heard the story. You know... Sometimes I really envy him. Why? Because I get the impression he was the only person you were ever close to. Well, why do you say that? You mention his death so much. Well, you asked me to tell you what I was thinking about. I wasn't trying to criticize. All I meant was that other people lost relatives in the war, but that was 30 years ago. His death obviously affected you very much. He was killed by a sniper while he was out on patrol near Enzio. All I know about him is how he died. Well, there's nothing more to tell. You know, you look a lot like Scotty. I do? Oh, he, he, he was tall, like you. Really? Six, seven? Uh, just about. Hmm. Did he play basketball? No, no, he was a musician. He played the piano. Classical? <laughs> no, no. Rhythm and blues. Swing. He was also a composer. Do you know that Tommy Dorsey heard him once? And he told Scotty to look him up when the war was over. Yeah. He was going to be great. Hmm. I never knew any of this. Well, why haven't you ever talked about him? And he had a real great sense of humor. 
A real wise guy. Uh, his death was a turning point in my life. It was right after I heard the news that I asked your mother to marry me. So you were close? No. Well, I, I don't understand. Well, he looked up to me, but, well, I always made fun of him, you know. Put him down. Well, a lot of older brothers do that. It doesn't mean anything. Well, most brothers have a lifetime to make it up, and we never did. Yeah, I never had the chance to tell him how I really felt, and sometimes... Well, sometimes I think I'd be willing to give almost anything to be able to go back and make sure he knew. Well, you can't, Dad. It's over. No, that's just it. It isn't over. Dad, this is 1978. No, there was a letter. A, a letter? Yes, I... What's that? It sounds like a highway patrol car. Well, he's not after us, is he? Well, I don't know. He's still pretty far back. But... Well, I don't see anybody else on the road. Oh, but that's crazy. Look, look, I'm only going 60. Well, it's still five miles over the limit. Any trooper will spot you five miles. He, uh, I'd slow down anyway. Well, no, he must be answering a call further down the highway. Look, he's signaling for us to pull over. Uh, hand me my wallet, will you? It's in the glove compartment. Good evening. Uh, hello, officer. Can I uh, see your license? Yeah, sure. Just a sec. Uh, Theodore Pittman, that you? Yep. Uh, who's that in there with you? Uh, it's my son. Uh, you live in Pennsylvania? Uh, yes, sir. Harrisburg. My son's studying physics in California, and I'm uh, driving him back to school from winter vacation. You drive all the way from Harrisburg today? Oh, no, from Columbus, officer. Uh, can you tell me uh, what the matter is? Uh, I was only going a few miles over six... Oh, speeding's not the problem. Uh, this interstate can be more treacherous than it looks, Mr. Pittman. It's flat as a board and straight as an arrow for over a hundred miles through this part of Kansas. A lot of drivers become lulled or hypnotized. Some even fall asleep at the wheel. Well, I'm wide awake. I've been following you for quite a while. You aware that a few miles back you were weaving? Well, no. That's a pretty good sign. A driver's either tiring or his mind's wandering. Well, uh, <clears throat> I'm okay now. Uh, does your son drive? Oh, yes, officer, but I'm telling you there's nothing wrong with me. You planning to drive all night? Yes, we're behind schedule. We had some car trouble in Ohio that set us back a day. And... Well, my son's got to be back in San Francisco in time to register tomorrow. The 17th. Oh, that's a long way to go in two days. Well, we'll make it. Mm. Uh, I suggest you stop for some coffee at the next service plaza. There's one about uh, 12 miles up ahead that's got an all-night restaurant. Well, all right, officer. Fair enough. We'll do that. It's for your own protection, Mr. Pittman. I understand. Mm. I also suggest you change drivers there. Yes, sir. Here's your license. Thank you. Oh, that was a close call. Dad, he was only trying to be helpful. Weaving? I don't remember. Weaving? You, uh, started to tell me about a letter? Well, the last time I ever saw my brother Scotty, we had an argument. Over what? Well, uh, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. The point is... That was it. Three weeks later, he was shipped overseas, and I never saw him again. A couple of months after that, I... Well, I began to feel apprehensive. 
As if you knew something was going to happen? Well, you always think you have a whole life to talk, so you, you keep putting it off, and then suddenly something happens, and... So you wrote to him. It's amazing what happens when you sit down to do something like that. I mean, feelings you didn't even know you had. Well, everything comes out. Did you mail it? Three weeks before he was killed. Huh. So he did know. But you see, that's just it. I don't know if the letter ever reached him. It wasn't among his personal effects when they were sent home. Mm, three weeks is a lot of time. He must have gotten it. It took mail anywhere from two to six weeks to reach men who were at the front. Oh. So I never knew. And I never will know. I'm glad you told me all this, Dad. I, I feel like maybe we're a lot closer now. Maybe we'll leave... Scotty's death wasn't necessary. What? He never should have been with the infantry in the first place. I mean, he was a big boy. An inch over the height limit. They were supposed to transfer him. Uh, it should have come through. But it didn't. It's over. Hey, let go of it, Dad. It's been over for 30 years. No, it isn't over. As long as I don't know whether or not he got my letter, it... Well, it isn't over. Well, if that's the way you feel, it can't ever be over then, can it? No. Dad... Dad, are you watching what... Dad, look out! You're going off the road! It has been said that time heals all wounds. But there are exceptions. Some wounds never heal. And some seem to grow even more painful as time goes on. And the particular event recedes further and further from the grasp. Usually our desires have their consequences only in the present. But is it possible that a wish, if it were strong enough, could affect what is already past? I shall return in a moment with Act Two. son driving across the Kansas prairie late at night. The father reliving an episode from his past he's not been able to forget for 30 years. Then suddenly and without warning a mishap. Theo Pittman loses control and the car careens and crashes. It is said there are no accidents. That everything which happens is ordained. But if this was not an accident... What else could it have been? Uh, uh, Scotty? Uh, look. Hey, Scotty. Well, what happened? How do you feel? Mm -mm. My head. Hey, just take it easy. That shell couldn't have landed more than 20 yards from our foxhole. Foxhole? I... I... I was in a car. There was an accident. Shh. Hey, hey, just lie back, pal. <gasps> Who are you? It's Leslie. L Leslie? Les White. What's that outfit you're wearing? Uh, uh, you a soldier? <laughs> hey, that's what they say about you, too. What? Hey, hey, hey what, what are you doing? Just putting some water on your face. Where am I? Field hospital. Where? Near Anzio. 
Mackenzie, oh, you, you mean Italy? Yeah, we're about four miles inland from the beach. You don't remember what happened at all? No, I, I don't. Well, I'm not surprised. The medics said you might suffer loss of memory for a while. How did I get here? Oh, a shell hit near our foxhole. I was lighting a cigarette, and I had my head down. You were up top with the binoculars, and the explosion knocked you cold. Foxhole Anzio. What year is this? 1944. 19... I must be dreaming. Hey, tell me, how do you feel? A terrible headache. Well, you ain't dreaming, Scotty. But it's incredible. How, how did I get here? I carried you. No, no, I mean... What did you call me? When? Just now, my name. What, what did you say? Scotty. Pittman? Yeah. Hey, your memory's coming back. I'm Scotty Pittman? Boy, I don't understand how you weren't killed. What do you mean? Well, there's not even a mark on you. Boy, you must have a charmed life. I, uh... I'm going to try standing up. Hey, wait a few minutes. I want to get up. Okay, okay, but let me give you a hand. Uh, uh, hey, take, take uh, it slow. Uh, there. How's that? Dizzy, yes. Uh, don't, don't hold me. You sure? Let go. I, I, I don't believe this. Captain Croft. Captain. Scotty's come, too. Well... How do you feel, boy? Uh, okay, I guess. You don't look any the worse for wear. You able to walk? Yeah. How's your vision? Is it blurred at all? No. Les, what's the medic say? Well, he doesn't know how Scotty survived. But he can't find anything wrong with him except for a mild concussion. Okay, check out with him. And get back to your position. All right. That uh, guy doesn't like me, does he? I'm not surprised. You've been trying to get out of this outfit ever since they stuck you here. Because of my size? Yep. Hey, how you feeling now? I really don't know yet. How's your memory? You know what's happening? Yeah, yeah. We're at Anzio. Uh, the Americans and British landed here with 24 battalions. Uh, 21 theirs, three were ours. The objective was, to, um, is, to draw the Germans away from Casino and make it possible for the Allies to break through to Rome. Hey, great, you remember. Well, I, uh, should. I've heard the story often enough. What? Uh... Uh, uh, nothing. Uh, well, uh, what are we doing? I mean, us specifically. Well, our battalion is in the vanguard for the invasion forces. When we landed, we took the Germans by surprise, and we were able to push them back this far, but, boy, now their resistance is stiffening. A lot of our armor and men are still being landed on the beach. So we're the front line? Our unit is on the extreme southern wing. The German counterattack, if it comes, is expected to be further north. So we're relatively peaceful here. About all we're doing for the moment is going out on daily patrols. Patrols? Yeah, hey, don't look so worried. We got it easy. The only real danger we face is from an occasional German sniper. Sniper? Uh, Les, what's the date? January 16th. This is the day before... Uh, uh, when's the next time we're supposed to go out on patrol? Tomorrow morning. The 17th. Is it beginning to sound familiar? Yeah, you bet. We better get going. I'll find the medic and get you checked out of here. Uh, Les, uh, wait a minute. Uh, 
Have, have we gotten any mail since we landed? Well, yeah. A batch finally caught up with us yesterday. But you haven't forgotten that. Did, did I get something? You got a letter from your brother. Then it came. Oh, yeah. You let me read it. Where is it now? Well, gee, I don't know. The last I saw it was tucked in the webbing of your helmet there. Uh, uh, it's not here. Probably got jarred loose and carried off when that shell exploded. Hey, listen. What? The, the German guns have stopped. What did the letter say? What? Well, you said you I let you read it. You remember what it said? Don't you? Uh, no. Well, you must have read it over 20 times. I, 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 I don't remember. It was a sweet letter. You and he were really close, huh? Um, no. No, we, uh, hadn't been. Uh... Well, he must have been making a real effort then to say what he did. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? I have got to try to find that letter. Yeah, but that's my kit. Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, I told you, it's gone. Uh-oh, uh -oh, the captain's coming this way. We better make tracks back to our position. White, Pittman, hold on. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. We were just on our way no, back. Forget that. I need a couple of volunteers. Volunteers? Yes, something's gone wrong. What's happened? The German guns have fallen silent. That's probably the prelude to the counterattack we've been expecting. Yes, sir. To the north? Well, that's just it. Gresham and Hodges and the other outposts are all reporting heavy activity in the hills above their sectors. Down here? Well, are we getting support? Well, we still can't get clear radio contact with beach headquarters. The uh, terrain is too rugged. You want Scotty and me to run back on foot? Yep, I do. You find out if the 191st Tank Battalion's come ashore yet. Tell them we could sure use some of it. Yes, sir. Now, we've seen activity on three sides of us. So we're in danger of being cut off. Well, so we could run into German patrols between here and the beach. That's right. Otherwise, with luck, you'll be there and back by tonight. Captain? Yes, Pittman? Uh, Les says we're scheduled for patrol duty tomorrow. If we're not being overrun by the Germans, yeah. Well, if we do volunteer for this trip back to headquarters, will you exempt us from patrol duty for a day? If you volunteer? Scotty. Soldier, you don't understand. You have volunteered. Captain, he's still... I little... guarantee no matter what happens, we'll get through to the beach and be back safely by this evening. Oh, well, that shell must have knocked some spunk into you, Pittman. I haven't heard that kind of enthusiasm from you since you came into this outfit. You keep it up and I might even be sorry when your transfer comes through. Okay, if you get through to the beach and back by tonight... Tomorrow, you get a breather. Thank you, sir. Oh, uh, Les, you know Colonel Gilpin, don't you? Yes, sir. When you get there, report to him. You tell him our situation. Yes, sir. Well, we're ready to go. Well, good luck. What's the matter, Les? Did you hear something? No, don't be so jumpy. It's too quiet. Now, trust me, we've got nothing to worry about today. Well, I'm glad one of us is feeling confident. Hey, Les, is, is that captain the kind of man to keep his word? What, you mean about patrol duty tomorrow? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's not exactly Mr. Personality, but he's good on his word. I, I don't know what difference it makes, though. We'll probably be under attack by then. Uh, just so long as I'm not out on patrol. Hey, what's that? Well, listen, 
three o'clock. Hey, we'll make it back in time for supper. Why, that's beautiful, isn't it? What? It's somewhere in the middle of this war. Nested among these hills, there's a little village. And the Germans are on one side of them and the Allies on the other. Any minute, they're going to go at each other. And still, somebody takes the time to toll the hour. Yeah. You know, for a minute, I could have figured I was back in Vermont. Oh, it's going to be real nice, isn't it? When all this is over and we have peace once and for all. Yeah. Uh, come on, we'd, we'd better keep going. Colonel Gilpin? Yeah. What can I do for you? I'm Private White, and this is Private Pittman. We're reporting from Captain Croft. Croft? Oh, you're down near Natuna, aren't you? On our southern flank. Yes, sir. We were beginning to wonder what had happened to you. We haven't had any radio contact from you in two days. I know, sir. That's why we're here in person. Uh, we've come to report heavy movement in the hills above our position. Yeah, the enemy counterattack is expected to hit further north. I know, sir, but we're here to request immediate relief. We're in danger of being surrounded and cut off. Yeah, we're just bringing the last of the 191st tank corps ashore now. We should be able to have you fully supported by morning. Thank you, sir. Tell me, did you see any enemy activity between your outpost and here? Nothing, sir. Well, that's good. You two boys want something to eat before heading back? Scotty? Um, no, I, I, I want to get back. Okay, uh, I guess I'd rather travel while it's light anyway. Well, now you tell your captain, eh? Well, get down! Get down, sir! Hey, Scotty! Uh, what was that? Flatten out, will ya? Les, come on, we gotta go. Through this stuff, are you crazy? We'll make it. We've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> you can if you want. I'm not moving. You two boys, all right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I think you'd better stay here. Well, with your permission, sir, I'd like to go back. Be crazy to risk it until the shelling stops. Well, how long will that be? Well, that depends on how much the Germans got. Hey, Scotty, we'll get back in the morning. No, I, I have got to get back before midnight. I'm sorry, son, but you're going to have to stay here until this bombardment stops. And that's an order. thought that recklessness or caution can mean the difference between life and death. But this is all relative. For what would strike Les or the Colonel as reckless to Scott Pittman is nothing more than caution and something that is absolutely necessary if he is not to die. Yet are his chances for survival really that great? After all, he's fighting for his life against an unusual opponent history. I shall return in a moment with our final act. Why are so many people buying Buick's new Century? Well, it depends on who you ask. Mrs. Marsha Resnick? It holds the road and it drives really smooth. It's, it's nice. And Mrs. Phil Jackson? I like it because it's roomy. And Mr. Jackson, he can't even begin to tell you all the reasons why he likes their new Buick Century. <laughs> I really wouldn't know where to start. But then that says a lot about Buick's new century and why it's drawing a crowd at your Buick dealers. Oh, 
What is the difference between life and death? That is a question we might well ponder at this point, since we're faced with the unusual situation of a person who may be fighting for a life he no longer possesses. There was an accident. That much seems clear. Yet Scott has certainly had no cause to question the reality of the surroundings in which he finds himself from Kansas Highway to a battlefield in World War II. Scott Pittman sits hunched over in a trench, listening to the shells whistling about his ears. But louder even than the exploding bombs is the ticking of time. Les, what time is it now? Well, let's see. Uh, 10 p.m.? <sighs> Only two more hours. Isn't this shelling ever going to stop? Why is it so important you to get back to our outpost by midnight? I mean, look, the way I see it, we're a heck of a lot safer here. Hey, what are you doing? I have waited long enough. Wait a minute, are you crazy? Let me go. You wouldn't get a hundred yards out there in the open. I have got nothing to worry about till after midnight. You think so? Yes. Okay. Okay. You think you lead a charmed life just because you survived that one shell? Well, go on. Go on, take off. Yes. I'm dead. What? I am as good as dead. Hey, look, cut it out. Don't talk like that. You've been in combat long enough to know you never talk about it. It's bad luck. This afternoon, you weren't afraid of a thing. What's happened to you? I don't know. I... I don't know. Well, everything's been happening so fast. I, I haven't had time to stop and think. Of, of course, this can't be real. It is impossible. Well, if this isn't real... Why didn't you leave this foxhole when I let go of you just... I, I... I don't know. Look. Look at the dirt on your face. It's 30 degrees out. Look at the frost on your breath. You think these things aren't real? Les, are we friends? What? I mean, can I talk to you? Of course. I mean, what kind of a question is that? I've got to try and explain what's happening because I, I don't understand it. Hey... <sighs> Hey, Scott, you, you're trembling. What is it? You're acting like this was your first time under fire. It is. What do you mean? Les, I was driving across country with my father on my way back to graduate school. There was an accident, I, I think. It, well, anyway, I, I woke up here. That's what's got you unnerved? Isn't that enough? We all have dreams about being back home. No, this wasn't a dream. I, I was on my way back to graduate school in, in San Francisco. We, we, um, we were driving on an interstate. On a what? You see? You see, you don't know what an interstate is, do you? It, it, it was 1978, the year it was. I, I, I mean, is. 1978? Wait, wait a minute. You mean that... That this is like the, well, the Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court? Yeah, well, sort of, except that... I am not Scotty. Well, you look like Scotty to me. No, I am Scotty's nephew. The man who wrote that letter that I was looking for is my father. 
He was telling me the story of Scotty's death just before the accident. Death? Scotty was killed on January 17th. Well, that's tomorrow. Oh, it's no wonder you've been so jumpy. He was killed by a sniper. That... You see, that's why I've got to get back before midnight. Scotty, it was all just a dream. Look, I am not... You don't believe me, do you? Look, let's just call a halt, okay? D just try to forget about it. Then why do I have a complete memory of my life in 1978 and no memory of, of all this life now? The explosion obviously affected your mind. <laughs> oh, come on, Scotty, relax. We'll get you medical attention as soon as this shelling lets up. Don't I look any different to you? I mean, Scotty and I couldn't have looked exactly alike. <laughs> hey, underneath... All that dirt. You could be Humphrey Bogart for all I know. Scotty, don't worry. I, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I even remember my last thought before the crash. If there was some way I could find out whether or not Scotty had received that letter. Well, why don't you write him? Who? Well, your brother. Tell him that the letter came. Would that work? Well, if you mail it, it will. Didn't I think of that? Here, wait a second. Here, I got some paper and a, and a pencil in my kit. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is what it's all about. Maybe, maybe this is why I'm here. Uh, here, here's the pencil. Oh, thanks. Uh, What's the matter? Why, I don't know what to say. Well, tell him that you got the letter. Oh, of course. Dear brother. No, no. Dear Theodore, your letter arrived safely. I have read it many, many times. It meant more to me than you can possibly imagine. I love you. Here. Here's an envelope. Yeah. Thanks, Les. You have no idea what this is going to mean to him. For 30 years, he's... You, uh... You think I'm crazy, don't you? Just write your brother... with your father's address on the envelope. I'm not crazy. I'm really not, Les. I can tell you the day that Berlin is going to fall... I can tell you what happens to Hitler. Uh, uh, did you know that Eisenhower was going to be president? Look, write the address. We'll see it gets mailed. I... What's the matter? Why are you hesitating? I don't know it. You don't know your own brother's address? Well, he, he's not my... Think, Scotty. Think. Um, he worked in Harrisburg during the war at the Alliance plant. Okay. Uh, then just... Send it care of the plant. They'll see it gets to him. Are you sure? Oh, come on. They take good care of servicemen's mail. It always gets delivered. Hey. Listen. What? They stopped shelling us. Why? It, it must be a lull. We can go now. Why go back at all? We have to. But if it's tomorrow you're worried about, why don't we just stay here? You think I'm stark raving mad, don't you? 
And soon as you have the chance, you're going to get a couple of medics over here with a straitjacket. Scotty. And this letter won't ever be mailed, I'll will it? I'll mail it. I'll mail it, I promise you. Thanks anyway, Les, but I am going back. But why, Scotty? I, I, I don't know. Maybe because... Because this is what really happened. Where you go... What are you doing? Well, no matter what, we're buddies, Scotty. And if I can't stop you, at least I'm not letting you go out there alone. Hey, Les, stop. Why, what's the matter? I, I thought I saw something move over there in the trees. Hey, I don't see anything. Hey, come on. Let's go a little slower, okay? Like you want to make it back by 12 or not? Look, Les. There's our battalion. Oh, just down this hill and over that stream. Yeah. What time is it? See, it's... Hey, it's only 11.15. Hey, we made it. Oh, come on. Come on, let's go. Hey, wait, Les. It... That can't be right. It, it's got to be later than that. What? Oh, hey. Hey, you're right. My watch has stopped. It, it doesn't matter. We still got time. What's that? Nothing. Come on. No, no. Listen. It's... It's that church bell. The one we heard this afternoon. midnight. I didn't make it. Scotty, there's no one out here. Now, come on. We're almost there. I, I can't go any further. But it can't be more than 500 yards. That doesn't matter. I'd never get there. Don't be an idiot. There are no Germans. Not this close to our own line. There are. I know there are. Oh, damn, you're crazy stubborn obstinance your idiotic stupidity that was all just a dream it doesn't mean anything oh why do you insist on taking it seriously look if you weren't so tall i'd knock you out and carry you the rest of the way myself get away from me Les. go on go on what are you waiting for well that that letter that letter to your that letter well i'll take it if you want would you? Sure. Well, come on. Give it here. I can't. Why not? Because my dad never got it. It was never mailed. If I gave it to you... You understand? Yeah. Yeah, I... I understand. Captain Croft. Yes. Well, you made it back. Well, we reached Colonel Gilpin. The tanks are ashore. The whole invasion force will be moving inland by morning. Well, where's Pittman? Well, he's still out there. Where? On the other side of the stream, about 500 yards. Why? He refused to come any further. He's gone crazy, sir. That, that shell yesterday must have blown every ounce of sanity out of his head. He just stopped making sense. He's convinced there's a German sniper out there waiting to kill him. We've got to get him in here right away. Now, you lead the detail out. You find Sergeant Hobson. What was that? I, you don't suppose he... No. That wasn't one of ours. 
That was a German field rifle. isn't it? The car's completely totaled. We got here as quickly as we could. There wasn't any need to rush. They're both dead. Were they killed instantly? Mm. Looks that way. Uh, We'll take the bodies into St. Anne and notify the next of kin. It's a real shame. I'd stopped these folk about 12 miles back. They were going to pull off the road for coffee at the restaurant just over the rise there, not half a mile from here. A real shame. It is said that that which is truly important is ultimately communicated, if not by tongue or pen, then through some other medium. Were Scott and his father killed instantly? Who knows? A lot is said to happen in that final second before death. Perhaps it is best to take our story as a fantasy of wish fulfillment and not question its logic too closely. But there is a more sober note to be sounded as well, which I shall do as soon as I return. This spring, True Value Hardware Stores can help you get off on the right foot when you have a lot of work to do in your yard. Hi, Pat Summerall to tell you they offer lawn and garden equipment to help eliminate a lot of the hard work and give you more time for recreation. Like the distant cordless grass shears. They can cut around a football field on one charge. And they take charge, handling the trimming around trees, bushes, and fences in your yard. The distant cordless grass shears are just 1144 
power pack sold separately at True Value Hardware Stores. You can quickly and easily eliminate pests in your garden and around your home with the True Value 2-gallon garden sprayer. The special roto-spray nozzle adjusts from a light mist to a 15-foot spray, so you can quickly spray insect and weed killer in a large area or adjust the spray to reach smaller spots. And right now, the True Value 2-gallon sprayer is anniversary priced at just $14.99 at participating True Value hardware stores. And remember that True Value is much more than just a name. It's always been our way of doing business. And tell them Pat Summerall sent you. a lesson to be learned from our story, it is that we must never forget we are born to an eternal present. And it is in this present we must stay. Theodore Pittman would have done better to look to the relationship with his son than continuing to regret his lost chance with his brother. Our cast included Russell Horton, Lloyd Batista, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Why do you say that? Because I know precisely the kind of help you need. I'm not sure I know what you mean. I'm not even sure I, I need any help at all. Oh, you need all kinds of help. First, you have to be made aware of your problems. I have a problem. Oh, rest assured you do. Once you become aware of it, you'll need help in finding and uh, following through the solution. I really don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's why I'm so important to you. Believe me, there's one thing that you must do within the next uh, six or eight weeks. Yeah, what's that? Well, that is, we must do it. Yeah. What is it? We must uh, murder your aunt. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores and Buick Motor Division. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.